0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Strong in Suffering Sermon Series, which goes through the book of 1 Peter. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Um, I don't know how it has been in your life, but uh, both our Samuel study and our study in Peter have been timely in my life. And I think specifically this series in Peter has been timely uh, for the situations we're in right now of, uh, of going through some trials. I said it this morning, but 2020 know, has been kind of a, a bummer. Uh, it's been an it's been a, a interesting year, and I know a lot of people have struggled through 2020. And I'm, of course, as we've looked at this series and gone through it, uh, I've been challenged by it because there is grace for suffering. And that's what the whole book is about. There is God's enabling, enabling power uh, for hard times. And as we come tonight, uh, of course, we've been learning a number of things, but we're not going to take time to recap things. Just simply say that this book uh, is about helping us learn that we can have a right spirit through hard times. We can be used of God through hard times. And uh, God is no less real in hard times uh, um, he's no less real than he is in good times, and a lot of a lot of time, and uh, we we fall into the trap that we think that God changes. You know, so today I'm not in a struggle. God's really good. Today I'm in a struggle. God's not as good. And we begin to think God is in control when things are going well, but when it seems like things aren't going well, we, we feel like God's lost control. And the whole concept Peter's trying to get across is just, hey, listen, whether you're in good, time, good times or bad times, whether you're suffering or being persecuted or going through a trial, whatever is taking place in your life, you can know that God has a plan with it you can know that God wants to work through it and you can rest assured that God wants to still work in your life through it. And uh, right now, I, I I won't ask you to respond, but I know just about everybody in here could probably raise their hand to answer this question of have you seen God work in hard times? And many of us would say, yes, yes, we've seen that. We've seen God work. Maybe it was the death of a loved one that we saw God bring us through. And we look back now and we wondered when we went through that, how did we get through it? But we look back now and we go, oh, that's what grace was. Oh, that's how. Oh, God, help me. God God gave me the moment-by-moment power to make decisions. And that's what Peter's writing about. He's helping us just understand the the statement that we're going to begin with and the statement we're going to end with tonight, and I should have titled the message this, but I didn't, is there's grace for that. There's grace for that. Uh, How many of you have a smartphone? You have a smartphone. These smartphones, they, uh, they have on them, whether you have a, an Android or a Samsung or an iPhone or um, whatever other kind of phones there are, they have apps. And so you go to the Google store or the app store and you download an application. And there's an app for everything, isn't there? There's an app for everything. You can find apps to help you lose weight or to tell you How bad you are at not losing weight. There's sports apps. There's weather apps. There's uh, game apps. There's apps for everything. And that's a statement, right? When the apps first started coming out, that was a statement. There's an app for that. On the Christian life and what we're looking at tonight is there's grace for that. Whatever struggle you're going through, whatever situation you're in. And tonight we're going to come and, again, while we could recap a bunch I really just wanna jump right into it because we're just gonna get Peter's closing thoughts. If you've ever read a good book, <clears throat> I, like to read, I like to read leadership books and books on uh, communication and relationships and uh, uh, spiritual investment or personal growth, things that are gonna help a person. And uh, I, I like a book that ends well. And to me, a good ending is where you, you get down to the last chapter Or you get down to the last few pages and the author really summarizes in a few few pages what he's trying to get across through the entire book. So almost you could go to that last chapter and get a synopsis of everything you've been challenged with just to kind of bring it back into focus. Well, as we come to 1 Peter chapter 5 in the last few verses, I think that's what Peter kind of does. He just kind of refocuses us upon four simple truths that he's been getting across, through the entire chapter. And four things that I think tonight, if we listen, and if we tune in to God's word, I think that God will help us to understand that phrase, that there's grace for them. I want you to notice what Peter does and how he closes. 1 Peter chapter 5, and beginning in verse number 5, 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse number 5, Peter says this. He says, likewise, ye younger. 1 Peter 5, verse 5, We need to watch them The verses aren't on the screen tonight, just right there in your word. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, and yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for or because God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. In due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God Of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love those verses. I love all of them. They're just, uh, they're powerful. It's almost, in my, in my mind, I can almost, you can feel a connection to Peter. You know, you really, you really get his heart as he's wrapping some things up. And as Peter closes out tonight and closes out this letter to these believer, Uggle, and as he's, who are facing times of persecution and times of suffering and times of struggle, and as he's written to them, we read in verse number 12 right, why he wrote to them. Verse number 12, see, up until verse number 12, Silas, or Sylvanus has been writing. But verse number 12, Peter picks up the pen, and he says, hey, by Silas, I've written to you briefly. What have I, why have I written to you? I've written to you exhorting and testifying that this grace is the grace that you can stand in. Hey, God's enabling strength that I've written about, it's available to you. There's, a, there's grace for that. I want to take just these few verses tonight and I want us to learn four simple truths that I think if we can key in on they will help us in every struggle, every trial, every every trial we face. These four things will keep us God-focused in every single one of them. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. God, I know I have already been so challenged by this series Lord, this passage in particular has, has impacted me. And God, I pray that tonight, I pray that you would have freedom to work in us. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move into this place and would speak to each of our hearts. I pray for every person that's watching online tonight. God, that your spirit would move into to wherever they are, that they would hear and listen, and that every one of us would apply and learn. God, I just thank you for the words of truth that we're reading. I pray that you'd help us to see that there's grace for every situation, enabling strength to continue for you. We love you, Lord. Bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Peter closes out his thoughts in regards to suffering, I want you to see, first of all, tonight, he gives us the encouragement to remain humble, remain humble. Micah, could you bring me more water right there right in front? He gives us that encouragement to remain humble. I want you to notice the verses with me, and you perhaps have even memorized these verses as we looked at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. Notice as Peter is writing, he says, likewise. The likewise is connected to the first four verses. The first four verses, <coughs> excuse me, the first four verses, We learned last week was a a passage that uh, Peter had written specifically to the pastors, the elders, the bishops. He had written to them and he had encouraged them in having the right spirit as they serve. he comes to verse number five and he says lie for the wrong reason, serve with the right spirit and and so then he comes to verse number five and he says likewise in the same manner hey with the same spirit that pastors should serve the church likewise ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder well what does this have to do with well peter is simply writing about uh younger people respecting the elder The elder here is not the elder that's represented in verse number one, Uh, pastors. No, the elder here is simply referring to that of age. We can understand that from the context. And so Peter, he's writing and says, hey, I want you to humble yourselves, submit yourselves unto the elder. Just have a respect and have a a humility in honoring those that are older than you. But notice what else he says. He says, yea, all of you, yea, all of you be subject one to another. Hey, between Christians, there should be a a common characteristic of deference. It's not always about me. No, I'll give to you. I'll invest in you. I'll I'll serve you. And that's what he's getting at. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And then he says this. He says, and be clothed with humility. We'll look at that in just a second. To put on humility. Well, why should I put on humility? Okay, Peter writes, because for God resisteth the proud. He literally stiff arms. He he, reject, he pushes away the proud, but he giveth grace. Same grace that we've been listening through the entire book, through the entire letter. He gives enabling strength to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore. Hey, because of this, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he, so that in order that he can exalt you in due time. Why is it that Peter would write about humility as he's been writing about suffering? I want us to catch the connection. It has been throughout the entire letter. Through the entire letter, Peter has written about subjection, submission, and humility. Don't you remember that when he talked about suffering in chapter number one, he said, hey, you need to know, verses 18 and 19, that uh, you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, the reminder of Jesus submitting himself to death. Chapter number two, he reminds us of the same thing. Chapters three and four, the same truth, Peter, reminds us of this fact of, hey, when you go through suffering, you can have the same mind of Christ, which was humility. Why would Peter do that? Why would he remind us of humility? Well, I believe tonight that Peter reminds us of humility simply because that when we're going through a hard time, you wanna know one of the things that we struggle with the most when we're going through a hard time? Thinking about others. I don't know about you, but when I struggle through hard times, uh, pride flares up. When I go through suffering, pride comes up in my life and says, why me? I don't deserve this. Why me? I should be, be receiving better than that. I don't deserve that treatment. I, I don't deserve this persecution. Why me? That's in our lives. We, we have that pride that comes up. And, and don't we know that pride can show itself in a lot of ways, can it? We often think of pride as that bold, everybody look at me mentality. And that is pride. But pride also manifests itself through false humility. Pride can manifest itself through false humility. False humility is, well, just don't look at me. I'm a a nobody. It's a form of pride as well. And the fact of the matter is that pride is simply self-focus. Pride is self-focus or self-congratulation or even self-devaluation. Pride is one focusing upon themselves. Humility is the opposite. Someone said once that humility is thinking less of yourself. That's not humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. I shouldn't always be on my mind. But what is Peter writing about? Well, he's addressing humility and submission. He's saying, hey, let humility and let submission, let it be a characteristic that is identifiable in your life. Why? Because when you go through struggles, when you go through suffering, when I go through, uh, through, through uh, the, the time of persecution or the time of, uh, of suffering in my life and those testing times, the number one thing that's on my mind is me. And so here's what Peter is writing. Hey, don't, don't do that. Listen, remain humble. Remain humble. Why should I remain humble? Because God resists the proud. Hey, hey, listen, God literally holds back. He holds back those with pride. It's interesting, the phrase, God resisted the proud, it's a battle term. In the Old Testament, it would be this phrase, that they're set array in war. It means to present a front to come up and to attack. I'm against you. That's what that God resisted the proud. It's God saying, hey, I'm, I'm not for you when you have pride in your life. I'm not for you when you allow pride to settle in in the roots of your heart. And so Peter writes, he says, hey, don't allow pride in. Instead, remain humble because God resists the proud. But on the contrary, God gives grace. He gives that enabling strength to the humble. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be facing God. I want God to be leading me. I don't want to be facing him. I want to be following him. And there's a lot of Christians that they they pit themselves against Christ, against the Holy Spirit because of pride, that self-focus. But you know what? When we humble ourselves, God always notices. And we read there that he may exalt you in due time. There's a few thoughts I can bring out with this, but I just wanna bring out the context. Peter's writing to people, many of them suffering because of situations outside of their control. And many of them suffering specifically persecution. That's been the great... uh, uh, common thread through the book of First Peter is God's grace in persecution. So as he writes to them, he once again writes this thought of, hey, God is keeping record. Hey, you may be going through a trial and persecution that would be really on their minds. You may be going through persecution, but God's keeping record. Keep yourself humble and he'll exalt you in due time. Hey, the truth will come out eventually, Right? Time always brings out truth. Time always reveals truth. Peter's writing about that now. He's saying, hey, when you're humble before the Lord, time will reveal that humility and God will exalt you. God blesses humility. God pushes back against pride. Of course, Jesus, he was a great model of this, wasn't he? I don't you think and listen with me as we read this? Philippians chapter 2 Notice what Paul wrote about when he wrote about humility. Notice how he wrote it. He said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But notice the next phrase. But in lowliness of mind, in humility, let each esteem other better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But do you see what what Paul wrote as he began? He said, uh, get back to it. He said, "Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in humility and lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Hey, you, uh, you and I need to have that mentality of humility, why God blesses it. He blesses humility. Paul is saying, Hey, humility is it's a game changer, and that 's the thought humility, humility is a game changer humility does some things that pride cannot do. I love this thought that humility, it removes the focus from myself and my circumstances and puts that focus upon others. And so as I'm going through trials, one of the greatest things that I can do, and and whether I'm in a suffering time or, or not, God blesses humility. And one of the best things that I can do is ask God, God, help me not to focus on me. Because it. I'm being honest with you and I hope you'd be honest with yourself tonight that that's what we struggle with. Every single person struggles with pride. Every one of us. And knowing that, God inspired Peter to write, hey, through suffering, whether you're in suffering or not, remember, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Peter gives these last thoughts. The first thought is, hey, remain humble. The second thought is rest entirely. Rest entirely. Probably one of the most claimed verses in all of the word of God is found in 1 Peter chapter number five. It's 1 Peter 5, seven. You probably know it. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. and God, being humble, and being humble is a hard thing to do, but especially in hard times. God, here I am, first century Christian, living in, in the, the region that he would be, Peter would be writing to, would be what we would know as northern Turkey now. He's writing to these churches that are up there, and these believers could probably think, God, here I am, living and going through life and I found, I found Christ and, and I got saved and I trusted him and, and then I, I feel like my world turned upside down and people began persecuting me and now I'm suffering and I've spent time in jail because of my testimony for the Lord and, and here you are, Peter, writing to me about being humble and not thinking about myself. Peter, that is hard to do. How do I do it? And Peter writes it in verse number seven. Cast your care on him. Hey, quit worrying about everything. You can take your care and you can cast it on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Notice the thought Peter says here, he says the the phrase casting. Casting all your care. I'll identify the word care in just a second, but the word casting, it when we think of casting, we think of fishing. You know, just like this. You think of casting like that. Okay, so that is casting. All right, that that's a that's a cast. I have a fishing pole and I I cast, but that's not the cast that's here. No, the cast that's on Peter's mind is the casting of a net. We were in Israel, of course, a couple of years ago, and Uh, and last year I was able to go, and one of the things you do in Israel is you're able to go on the Sea of Galilee. It's awesome. It's amazing, but while you're on the Sea of Galilee on that boat, they have a guy come up and demonstrate what casting would look like, and I want you to see tonight what casting would look like. This is the casting that Peter would be referring to. Now, here's my question for you. Does it it look like he's just kind of tossing that net in? No, it doesn't look like that at all, does it? It's the same video playing over and over again. But here's what I I want you to see. You know what he's doing? He's using his whole body, isn't he? Now, when he goes to throw that net, he's going one, two, three, and he's throwing it. Don't miss it, but that's the word casting that we find here. The word cast, it means to throw with force. So Peter's not saying, hey, just just lightly cast your care on the Lord. He's saying, hey, with everything you've got, throw your care on the Lord. And the word care, it's an awesome word. You know what the word care means? The word care in this passage, it means all the little distractions and concerns It means all the small little details of life. That's what Jesus invites you to cast upon him. As I was studying this week and studying for this message, honestly, I hit this point and I I almost broke down in tears. Because to me, it's so, and I might even right now, and I'm sorry, today's an emotional day and I have no idea why. I, it, it's so encouraging to me to know that my Savior cares about the very little details of my life. And he doesn't say, hey, take your huge, huge boulders and give me those. Oh, he, he wants those too. But those are kind of like the duh. You know, when we go through a deep valley, that's when we, that's when we cry up. Right, the psalmist said, I was laying on my back. I had nowhere to go but up, and that's when I cried out to the Lord. So in those hard times, it's, it's real, you know, I mean, the deep hard times, it's easy to give him your care. But it's the little things that God knows can bog us down. And when we think about casting our care, he's saying, hey, Peter is writing. I want you to take all of your anxiety, all of your pressures, all of your hurt, all your frustration, all of your doubt, all of your discouragement, all the pressure and all the irritations, the word care, it means little distraction and irritations in your life, all those little pokey things. You ever, you ever got a thorn in your shoe? I mean, just a little thing in there that you're walking yeah, with these tumbleweeds. Uh, man, I know plenty of times I'll be walking through some brush or something and afterwards, I get just get little thistles and things all in my socks, it drives me nuts. The smallest little thing, I don't have a huge tumbleweed in my shoe. I've got one little thorn, one thorn. And man, that thing, it can annoy the fire out of a person. Peter knew this. And so he's saying, hey, the little discouragements in your life, the little distractions, the little disappointments, the little failures, the little anxieties, uh, the little uh, doubts, don't just cast them to the Lord. Throw them upon the Lord. Man, just get, why Why is he using the word cast? Because there's a full release. I can't hold any part of it. See, if it's a fishing pole, I can hold part of that line. If it's a huge net, I'm not keeping, I'm not keeping part of it. And I want us to notice something tonight with the verse, when it says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. In fishing, there's casting and drawing, Right? In fishing, there's casting and drawing. It doesn't say, cast all your care upon him for he careth for you and then draw it back again. But that's what we do. We go, okay, God, I'm frustrated. I'm irritated, God, I'm hurt. God, you see those disappointments, Lord. You see what's going on in the house, God. You see what's taking place at work, Lord. You see the the struggle I'm having in this situation. So God, I, I cast it upon you. And then the next day we go, God, I'm gonna draw that run back in. I'm going to worry about that one a little bit more. And we're all guilty of it. And Peter understood that. And so he writes, hey, listen, I know suffering comes and I know struggle can happen. You need to remain humble, but then rest entirely upon him. Rest entirely upon him. Don't, don't pull back the doubt that you have. Don't pull back that frustration and that disappointment. No, Peter is simply saying, hey, you need to bring your attention back to the Lord. Focus upon him. Understand that he has strength for your suffering. We hear this verse often, and I quote it in my preaching, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Where Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my oak upon you and learn of me, because I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find, I love the last part of verse 29, ye shall find rest unto your souls. Hey, you're going to find peace and fulfillment and completion when you cast that care on When you come to me, and don't don't carry your own burdens, let me carry them. Wow. Man, what a God we serve. What a God we serve that that he would say, hey, I, I I know there might be some financial situations that are out of your control. Just give it to me. Hey, hey, I know that there might be some burdens that you are are feeling right now. And I know some of those family situations aren't working out like you thought they would. And I know that there's some trials right now that you never expected would be in your life. I know there's some deep things, but I also know there's some thorns in your life. There's some little itty-bitty things in your life. Give those to me too. And what an amazing God. What an amazing God that he would say, give me just everything. To cast your care upon him means I simply throw it. I don't draw it back, and I say, God, I'm giving this to you, and I'm leaving it with you. And when the devil tests you and tempts you to pick it back up, you don't give in to that pressure. Nope, I'm giving it back to him. And every time the devil brings it to your mind or something happens and brings that anxiety back up in your life, you say, no, I'm giving it back to the Lord. You see, casting in our life is happening consistently, It's really not a one-time thing. I I can simply draw something back by just thinking upon it and focusing upon it, and God says, no, just keep giving it to me. Just keep giving it to me. Just keep casting it to me. Hey, just keep throwing me that frustration. Hey, just keep giving me that doubt and discouragement. Peter's closing his letter out. He says, I wanna write to you about a few things. Number one, remain humble. Hey, in struggling, pride can come up in your life. Don't allow it. Stay humble. I want to encourage you, remain humble, Peter writes. But then I want to encourage you, rest entirely. Hey, cast your care upon him, for he careth for you. But then thirdly tonight, Peter encourages the reader to resist steadfastly. Resist steadfastly. You know that casting your care upon the Lord doesn't absolve you from spiritual responsibility. Listen, don't miss it. Casting your care upon the Lord doesn't mean that you give him all your cares and then do nothing. No. Notice what Peter writes in verse 8 and 9 of 1 Peter chapter number 5 when he says this. He says, be sober and be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom the devil resist steadfastly in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Hey, listen, you can remain humble and you can cast your care upon the Lord, but you need to know that the devil is still out to get you. Hey, it doesn't absolve you from spiritual responsibility of understanding that the devil is real and that he's out to attack and and fight my life. And so here's the instruction, be sober. The word sober, it means to be clear-minded or to be aware. He's saying, hey, you need to be aware of the devil's presence. And I would help us understand something tonight, and that's this truth, that spiritual warfare is very real. We saw it last Sunday morning very briefly when we looked at, at Saul's life, but every believer needs to understand that the devil is warring against you. And he does it through three specific ways. He does it through the world, culture, the, the uh, uh, world's thinking. does it through the world, the flesh, that which is, that we're stuck in, that has that, that sin, uh, um, uh, not nature, because once you get saved, you don't have two natures, but it has the remnants of sin nature in you. It has, the, it has just sinfulness that's built within us, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The devil uses demonic forces and power. A believer cannot be possessed of a devil, but a believer can be oppressed by the devil. And the devil uses that fiercely in our life. And so, because of that, the challenge is hey, be sober, be clear minded, uh, have your eyes open, be aware. And then he says to be vigilant. To be a vigilant means to be awake, to be alert, and to be watchful. The word sober and the word vigilant, they are two very similar words, but Peter is using them here to reiterate the importance of living life aware and giving attention to the presence of the enemy. I never really thought about it, but I heard a friend of mine refer to this. It's interesting that Peter would warn about being aware of the enemy because who's the one who fell to the enemy? It's Peter. Oh, he didn't, you know, sell his soul to the devil or anything, but he failed in the moment of temptation. Remember the night of Christ's death? Who was the one who said, I though all men deny you, I never will. It was Peter. But now he's writing because he understood. Hey, I said that in pride hey, I wasn't aware of the presence of the enemy. Hey, I wasn't aware that he was out to, to get me. And, and Jesus had told him, hey, Peter, the devil desires to sift you like wheat. Get to behind me, Satan. Hey, he's, he's working in your life. And now Peter writes, hey, you need to be sober. You need to be vigilant. And when times get tough, this is, Remember, remember the context of the book. Peter is writing about going through suffering. He's saying, hey, even when times are tough, you can know that the devil is out to get you. The devil, the word devil here, false accuser, slanderer. Hey, he's out to take you down. What's he doing? He's walking about as a roaring lion, as a roaring lion. He's trying to corner the devil. He has access to this earth. He's the prince and power of this air. And so through his organized system of, of demons and principalities and powers and of the world, the flesh, and the devil, he is seeking to destroy your life. And the devil's real. And don't let uh, uh, society or, or tell a very real being with a very real purpose and thinking about who the devil is because he is a very real being with a very real purpose. And that purpose is to destroy his 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 purpose is destruction. He wants to destroy. If you're saved, he wants to destroy your testimony and your impact for God. If you're not saved, he wants to destroy your opportunity to receive God. He's about destruction. He's about division. He's about conquering. He's about subtraction, taking away. And he is searching until he devours as a lion Searching upon his prey. And the fact is that the devil is real, and he is actively seeking his prey. He's looking. You know, the devil, like a lion, a lion doesn't attack an entire herd. No, a lion wants to corner the one that's alone. He wants to separate. He wants to divide and then conquer. And this is one of the strategies of the devil. He's walking, he's seeking, he's devouring. I have not said much of what I'm going to say through this year. But I'm going to say some things right now that I believe the Lord wants me to. I believe that the devil has used COVID 19 to attack Christians like no other time before. The church has not been under this type of attack, I believe, in America in a long time. And I believe that through this, the church has been under the attack of the devil. And I want to encourage believers tonight, whether you're here or you're online, don't be naive to think that the devil doesn't have a plan through all of this. Did you know that the devil loves that church services all over the country are being canceled in the name of health and safety? He loves that. Tonight, the devil loves that just yesterday and the day before, stacks of Bibles were burned before the courthouse in Portland. Try doing that with the Quran. Uh, the devil loves it. The devil loves tonight that believers uh, are being divided over mask or no mask. The devil loves that believers are being divided over meeting or not meeting, singing or not singing. The devil loves it. Why? Because it's dividing. It's separating. And can I just say tonight that believers are a political party. There's much more going on here than than the divisiveness that we see and the little separations that we see. No, listen, there is a devil who is out to get us and what's at stake is the lives of men and women and boys and girls and your heart and your home. It's all at stake. And the devil loves that people skip church. The devil loves that people find it convenient. And, And if you're at home tonight, I'm not attacking anybody. The devil loves for us to find the convenience Of staying home and just just scrolling through Facebook. He absolutely loves it. Why? Because it's dividing. And when we divide, he can conquer. And when believers fear and retreat in the name of safety and forget listen, we forget what God has called us to. This isn't a new pandemic. This isn't some new disease. Uh, listen, disease has been around for 7,000 years. And 2,000 years ago, disease was around. And 1,000 years ago, disease was around. And the Black Plague was around. And the Spanish flu was around. It's not new. The devil wants to use it to divide and conquer. And I'm not trying to downplay sickness. No, not at all. I have friends that are struggling with COVID right now. But I've also got friends struggling with cancer. And I've got friends struggling with lupus. And I've got friends struggling with MS. And I've got friends struggling with the flu. And I've got friends struggling with, uh, you name it. We've got, you probably have people in your life that you know are struggling with it. But the devil's come in and he's put, he's put a little bit of a, a Forgive the pun. He's put a little bit of a mask over God's people. He's put blinders on us. And now you know what culture's doing? Christian culture. Hannah and I are talking about it today. It's so sad. Everybody's disconnecting. When's the last time you went out to Walmart? And man, I do it all the time. You go to somebody and hey, how you doing today? That doesn't happen anymore. You go out now and people are like, Don't talk to me, man. I'm gonna get COVID. Don't talk to me, man. You got the disease. You might be asymptomatic. You're not wearing a mask. Hey, you are wearing a mask. And now even believers, believers used, to, and believers used to say, hey man, how's your day going? Hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. And now believers go, hey, six feet. Hey, how you doing? Yeah all right we'll see you later exhale 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 you say pastor there's a real sickness listen I'm not trying to downplay a real sickness I understand there's a real sickness but there's always been real sickness what's the difference the difference is right now we're seeing it more through social media and all of that and so you know what everybody's doing we live in fear we live in fear we're afraid. Can I remind you of a great verse? God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. What is power? It's, it's Holy Spirit filling. What is love? It's, hey, we can have different opinions. What is a sound mind? It's, I can think clearly through this. Now, if you feel sick, it's the same like it was in 2018, it's the same like it was in 2002. If you're sick, stay home. Now, if it's a little headache, my dad would say, you can have a headache at church. That's what my dad would say. I'd be at home, be like, oh, dad, I got a headache. He'd be like, good, come have it in the back row. I'm not talking about a little headache. If you're sick, stay home. That, that's, that's just like, to me, it's like common sense. You want to protect yourself from being sick? Use your hand sanitizers. Be careful. Well, don't use your hand sanitizers, according to Hannah. Use healthy hand sanitizers, not the chemical-filled ones. But you want to know what else to do? Have a sound mind. I said it months ago. Don't go licking doorknobs. If you shake hands, I shake hands with tons of people. We're not supposed to, but I still do. But you know what I don't do? I don't just lick my hand every time i try not to even touch my face i've done that for years shake hands this hand usually if you're out there this hand's in in my pocket or it's around that way if i have to scratch my face or something it's this hand if i cough it's into this hand this hand stays in my pocket if i accidentally cough in this hand i try to be mental oh i gotta go wash my hands real quick before i shake somebody else's hand why that's just like duh that's like when you were a little kid and your mom's like, did you use the restroom? Wash your hands. But mom, I don't care. Wash your hands. That, listen, you say, Pastor, why are you talking about, you kind of going off on rabbit trails. I'm ju- I am going off on a rabbit trail and it's all in my notes. <laughs> the bathroom thing wasn't. But what I'm getting at tonight is this, quit living in fear. Live your life. Wake up tomorrow, get in the word, love your family, be kind to people, glorify God, go to a store. I don't go to stores anyway. I didn't do that two years ago. Man, grab a bite to eat somewhere, give somebody a gospel track. Just start being a Christian again. There's too many believers just living in fear. What have we done? We've lost sight of this. The devil's behind it. And that's what I'm getting at. It's this whole thought. The devil is behind all of this. His end game is destruction in your life. And what takes place right now, and this has happened through COVID, is believers have separated from each other and, and, and we, we need each other. Listen, we need church. We need fellowship. We need singing. We need preaching. We need teaching. We need God's house. I mean, the verse is still there. Don't forsake the assembling of, your manner, of, yourself, of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. He says, Hey, listen, as Christ is coming back, you keep faithfulness to church. Man, keep going. His end game is to destroy. And for the believer, he wants to use this time to destroy your walk with God. I praise the Lord for so many believers that have said, pastor, I've grown so much during this time. I've been in the word. I've grown so much during this time. Man, his end end goal is destruction. So what's what's the challenge? Hey, wake up. Hey, wake up and be alert to it. Hey, wake up. Hey, be alert Don't fall asleep. He says, don't fall asleep. He says, don't become, listen, don't become spiritually intoxicated. That's the word sober. Don't become spiritually intoxicated. Uh, Don't let the world and your life and your stuff and your pleasures and your hobbies and, and don't let your whatever intoxicate your thinking, control your thinking. No, be sober. Keep your wits about you. Why? Because that helps you resist. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? I'm not going to preach that verse. We preached that a few months ago in our steadfast series. But it just has to do with, if I'm awake and alert, I'm going to realize his attacks. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to give me a foundation to stand against him. I wonder what would happen if we had some Christians that would just stand against him. Stand against the devil. Stand against him in your home. Stand against him attacking your life. James said it this way, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Hey, know that it's not your power that's going to cause the devil to run when he attacks your life. No, it's you submitting to the power of God. When you submit, the devil flees. Did you know the word of God never gives us instruction to flee, the devil? Flee lusts. But it doesn't say, hey, run from him. It says, no, resist him. steadfastly." what that means? Stand your ground. But I'm not standing my ground because it's me and I'm strong. It's actually like me standing behind dad. I won't have him do it for time's sake, but when I was a little kid, my dad, big old six foot five, Denny Fountain, whenever he'd, you know, it was a rough area in Greeley. And we had plenty of people try to pick fights with him. It's hilarious. But whenever somebody tried to muscle up to him, I wouldn't step out in front of him. Here I am, you know, peewee. They called me Kermit growing up. All I was was just a string bean. It was just a little skinny, scrawny runt. Don't say amen, people who grew up with me. I wouldn't step in front and be like, come on, bring it. No, I'm behind him. I'm like, yeah. Go get him, dad. We'll take you on. Get him, dad. That's this idea whom resists steadfast. Hey, stand your ground. But you know whose ground you're really standing on? God's. Hey, Lord, uh, this is your battle. I'm, I'm standing behind you, Father. I'm dependent upon you. I'm resisting steadfastly. As we come, Peter, he's challenging. He said, hey, remain humble, rest entirely, resist steadfastly, and then lastly tonight, receive his grace. Receive his grace. I'm just going to go through these verses a little bit. Verse 10 and 11, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his glory by Christ Jesus, him be glory and dominion. After that, you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know what Peter's doing here? He's saying this simple phrase, hey, the God of all grace. Hey, the God of all enabling power. He has called you to his eternal glory. You're saved and you have Jesus Christ in your life. And after you've suffered for a while, here's what's going to happen. He's going to make you perfect. That word perfect, it means Complete. He's going to establish, establish you. He's uh, going to, excuse me. He's going to make you perfect. Establish, strengthen to be strengthened is to be empowered. And then it says that he's going to settle you. The word settle there it means to be grounded. Well, how long's my suffering going to be, Lord? For a while. Don't you hate that answer when you were a little kid? I hated that answer. Yeah, what's a while? You know, hey, Dennis, you do this, how long? For a while. Hey, no video games. For how long? A while. Hey, you can't go to that person's house. For how long? For a while. Hey, I'll be gone. How long? For a while. Well, how long is a while? I'm not gonna tell you, it's a while. You know what? Here's what happens in life. We forget that Seasons happen. Struggling happens for a season. It's for a while. But you know what? Every season has an end. All your suffering, it's gonna, eventually it's going to come to an end. But in the meantime, God, through his grace, what can he do? He can make you perfect, complete you. He can establish you. He can empower you. He can found you. He can ground you, settle you. But here's what we do. We allow the circumstances of our life to argue against the validity of experience. Pastor, what does that mean? We allow the circumstances to argue against the grace that we've already received. Earlier I asked, and didn't have you raise your hand, but how many of you could say that you've grown through a time in your life and just about everybody would probably be able to raise their hand. You know what God wants you to do every now and then? Reflect upon that. Why? Because reflecting upon that old grace is going to give you the mindset that he has new grace, that he is the God of all grace. Listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. He said, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. It worketh." for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I'll stop there with that verse, but simply put, Peter is just saying, hey, God's grace is available. Notice verse number 12. By Silvanus, Silas, a faithful brother unto you. Stop right there. Silas, a faithful brother unto you. Anybody remember who Silas was? Oh, Silas was the one who... uh, he traveled with Paul. Remember who Silas was? There's a lot of stories that Silas is in, but Acts chapter number 16, Paul's in jail with somebody. You know who he was in jail with? Silas. And what'd they do? They sang praises to God. You know, Peter's a faithful brother unto you. Hey, you're not the only one who's gone through it. Silas, he's a faithful brother unto you. Hey, he's gone through it as well. And notice what Peter says. As I suppose, I have written briefly exhorting. The word exhorting, it means to, uh, to encourage and challenge. And testifying. Hey, I'm not only teaching it, I've lived it. I'm exhorting and testifying that this, everything I've written, it is the true enabling strength, the true grace of God, wherein you stand. You know, Peter is writing, he's simply saying, hey, Listen. You can stand through hard times because God can give you strength. But what do I need to do? Hey, remain humble. Rest entirely in him. Resist the devil. And then let God give you that grace. God resisted the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives strength in suffering. I won't go to those last couple of verses, but verse 13 and 14, Peter talks about Mark. Mark was a picture of grace. He failed on the first missionary journey, but then eventually Paul wrote, hey, Mark's profitable to me. And then as Peter closes out, he's just saying, hey, remember others. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I don't recommend this, but this is just simply that Christian connection. Hey, stay connected with each other. And then he says, peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus, stay connected to him. Hey, you want grace in trials? Two things, love God and love people. Hey, you wanna wanna have a right testimony through trials? Two things, love God and love people. As we close out this series, I just want us to be reminded of that simple phrase we started with, there's grace for that. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit MosesLakeBaptistChurch.com